0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the No Huddle Show. We're fresh. We're refreshed. Uh, Coming off the bye, uh, I had a nice little vacation. Mike had a nice vacation to MetLife, where he saw just a delightful football game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I had a nice little trip to Denver. It was beautiful. If you've never been, I highly recommend it. Um, Mike, how how was your back? I know you're still a little... little, The last time we talked was post-game, I believe, right? And, And we were both really sick that day. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it hasn't... You, wasn't you much, seem a
0: little bit better than that, at least, because we were you, both dying that
1: day. It wasn't much of a bye week for me. It's funny. I mean, you also have uh, a baby, so yeah. Yeah, this is, this is my fifth year being a full-time beat writer, and I was talking to some of our colleagues at NJ.com about this, just kind of listing stuff off. I had a hurricane... When I was covering the Jaguars the first three years, Hurricane, Tropical Storm, Hurricane. And you
0: probably had help cover that because you're at a TV station. Right, right? Yeah. right.
1: yeah, so I had those three, and then... Last year was moving the family up here because remember I moved here mid like week two, and then I had to bring everybody up. Then the Golden Tate trade happened too, and I and, I, and I wasn't here. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you know obviously like I was up to my. Elbows and work today or this past week because Marcus Epps got claimed off way Oh yeah,
0: you had you had you know around the <laughs> rally the troops and yeah.
1: it was actually you know you laugh, but it was actually a pretty big former Eagles like Newsweek. Yeah, a lot Fole, of guys. Nick signed Foles, uh, Adams Zach, and Warlow, right? Yeah. Yeah, Zach Brown.
0: Uh, well, Zach Brown signed and cut with before playing a game for the Cardinals, and, so he really so you, fit in well there. <laughs> and
1: you know, it says you a know, lot about him. If you follow me a lot on Twitter, I'm a very big believer in nostalgia and how for cracking former eagles and so like my radar was just like up you know it was like <laughs> <laughs> you just kept waking up in the middle of the night Zach brown <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think that's a good segue into the biggest news in my opinion well, of well, this week
0: <laughs> so your jo- so it ties into the actual biggest news which was right. the whole deshaun disaster uh, i mean you guys have at this point read and heard everything about it we're not going to go too deep into it but just to quickly recap deshaun obviously came back uh, we both kind of said he probably should have waited till after the bye. I, it, in the end, it might not have mattered anyway. I don't think It doesn't seem like it based on this injury. Um, but he came back against the Bears. I was trying to remember what team it was. And he played, like, four snaps. Yeah, he, he had a, a catch, back. and he drew a pass interference. Left the game, came back out, like, went on the bike, like, very briefly. Then was at the sideline and didn't play again. He was placed on injury reserve a few days later. As it turned out, he... He like ripped the tendon completely off his abdomen or the bone or what? I forget the exact terminology. I'm not a doctor if you guys didn't know. Um, and now he's most likely after the year he had the surgery that he refused to have at the beginning of the year. I I think the criticism has been a little too fast and furious for him doing that. Like that's mm-hmm. he's not the first one to ever do that. We won't be the last. Like he wanted to play. It wasn't like he was he like he, he heard all the information and he and he. The doctors wouldn't have let him play if they didn't think that, you know, rehabbing at first was still an okay measure. But, yeah, you want to want to Yeah, in. and with that said, too,
1: I think the criticism of the Eagles, there's a lot to criticize. Not medical. about the injury, but, yeah, there's other stuff to criticize. Right, right. There's plenty of room to criticize his medical staff for previous handlings. Telling a patient what the situation is, giving him options, yeah. and allowing him to decide Make for decision. himself is the exact way you should be handling that situation, in my opinion, if you want to criticize the Eagles, it should be the front office and that they alienated the need for help at the position for eight weeks. Which you which,
0: which said before Deshaun even got hurt. Like why didn't they get another speed guy?
1: Right. It didn't. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and to your credit, you really followed up and and were really monitoring this injury for for, for our beat. Um, but at some point in week five, I think, or no, 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 no. Well, he was week, supposed to originally
0: come back in week five, yes. right?
1: But week six against the Vikings, it sh- it showed that the Eagles couldn't win in a in a shootout in yeah. a shootout, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last time Mac Collins caught a pass was like week four. <laughs> September.
0: It was the month of September. Guess
1: what, guys? Deshaun Jackson played one full game and still has more yardage and more touchdowns than, than Matt Collins. And he's a
0: little bit closer to the top of the leaderboard than he should be for the Eagles.
1: <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> the fact that... You know what? People are getting upset that they didn't trade for like a big-name guy. They didn't need to. They didn't need to. They needed a guy who could supplement the the offense. And to me... If you're worried about comp picks, if you're worried about all that in the first half of the season, you're not doing right by your team if you think you're a Super Bowl contender. I think that that should be a big frustration for Eagles fans. I know everybody gets excited about comp picks, but in reality, one's basically an early fourth round pick. Another one excuse me is basically an early fifth round pick another one is basically a sixth round pick because they're late picks yeah yeah so it's essentially
0: the start of the next round yeah
1: right so cool it's great that you have that i mean maybe it lands another jordan hour next year that's terrific but those examples are very few and far between more most likely you're going to gain guys like sharif miller Danelle pumphrey um sheldon gibson And I just kind of think, like, this team, behind the scenes, at the Combine, it was buzzing. This Eagles team was one of the top three teams in the league. Everybody liked what they were doing. Everybody saw how they were planning this all out. Even after the Michael Bennett trade, when they got brought in Malik Jackson and Deshaun Jackson, this was considered a great roster. And you know what? I've been called out a little bit on Twitter, us as a whole. We all were wrong about how much depth yeah. was on this roster. We can admit that. Including the Eagles. <laughs> right. Here's the problem, though. It's one thing to project something and say it's great. But when you have current examples of why it's not great and you alienate... Hard, them, hard evidence, yeah. Right. You have hard evidence. Week 5 was hard evidence that this wide receiver group is not good enough to sustain success in in... in, in deep into the season. They're worse than they were supposed to be. Right. I mean, you could look on paper and say, look, Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar were starting wide receivers on a Super Bowl team. They performed admirably last year. Um, Matt Collins was a draft pick who they really thought highly of, but he was billed as a special teams guy. J.J. Single whiteside was a second-round pick that they thought could immediately help in the red zone. You also have two tight ends. You Basically the best tight end pair in the league. Um, and Carson Wentz is healthy. But here's the thing though, when you spend an entire summer building an offense around having a deep threat that can take away safety coverage and that asset isn't there, it, it's troubling because your formations are different, your game planning is different, you have to, I mean Matt Collins is basically, I've called him a formation player because all he does is, is his only asset is that he can be the third guy in 11 personnel at wide receiver.
0: Like, he can physically be on the field. Right. Yes. He can, but here's the problem.
1: If you're watching from where we are, or you're watching the All-22, you can see that at least two times in every game, Matt Collins needs to be, you know, adjusted by a team as to where he lights oh, really? up. Yeah. That's Pay attention. Um, it happened at least once in this past game. It happened at least once against Buffalo it happened a few wow. times in the earlier How games. Is he playing? but like that's my thing too he also got a really bad holding call that wiped out a really good run by Miles Sanders in this past game if you're in there to block you can't have issues like that you saw Taylor Lewan yesterday get interviewed and come out immediately and say look my holding penalties are killing this team he is aware that his role is to block and so if he's getting holding calls it's detrimental to his one job. It's like a kicker missing an extra point in a in a three point. It's the you, know, whole,
0: you had one job.
1: <laughs> you had one job, and I think um, well, it's not magnified uh, like a kicker or like an offensive lineman, you know. He's basically serving as a third blocking tight end in a lot of situations. Yeah. And, and so, uh,
0: why do they? Why would they even ever cover him? <laughs> right.
1: And if you're the anti- you know, if you're the opposite of what you're supposed to be, then I don't know what you're doing. You know, he did have some moments in this past game where he cleared out some some space. Uh, he actually dragged two defenders away. It was incredible. Um, he ran a move. Uh, shout out to Mike Kist of uh, BGN for pointing that out. But I just. To me, that's why they needed a third guy. And the third guy was very logical once the trade deadline passed. I don't know why it took so long to get said player in when we're talking about former Eagles. Yeah,
0: and just just kind of bring it back. I think we've kind of talked about this before. You, you like, mentioned the whole how they focus on comp picks and... All that stuff. Um and I'm so they released Andrew Sandejo, which we're gonna get into more in depth, which you and I have been saying that should have done since before the season, actually. It should have um, been
1: done week four. Like yeah. there's absolutely they, no they, reason why so that shouldn't have happened.
0: By the way, conf- they need to get rid of compensatory picks in general. It's kinda messed up. But um So it's like they want their cake and they want to eat it too. Like Howie's always talking about how he's they're always gonna have their foot on the gas, but they're also not trading any draft picks to try and help this team win right now and they're going to have 10 draft picks now if they, they knew they clearly knew they were to, the, so week 11 is the deadline to release guys to like affect their compensatory formula they did that they they were planning on doing that like that, that didn't happen the day before where they decided they were going to release anderson Deo. so why aren't you trading a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick to get like a half decent receiver to help this team and like, yeah. like, like, and and so, like you, like you pointed out, like you don't need to trade for an amazing guy. That's what people misunderstood with like my criticism of this. Like you, I'm not saying go and trade all your draft picks for AJ Green. I'm saying find like a Lola, a low key guy, which they could have found a guy like that. There are guys who aren't playing on other teams. Like I get that doesn't sound that exciting, but the guys that aren't playing on other teams are better than what the Eagles have.
1: Yeah, I mean, you brought up a great. A great prospect, you know. The Seahawks cut Gary Jennings yeah. Jr. when he got claimed, when, but yeah, right, right. When they claimed Josh Gordon, a Gary Jennings esque player would have been, yeah. been something just different. I mean, he couldn't get on the field in Seattle, yeah, but, but he's all
0: but he's also a guy that you'd have under contract and you
1: could develop, blah blah blah. Rashard Higgins, so why not guy trade guy. for a guy like that if the Seahawks clearly didn't even want him, <laughs> right? I mean, I look, I covered the Jets Giants game, like you said last week. It was like I'd never covered Golden Tate before. That's how good he yeah. was. He had two extremely impressive touchdowns. Uh, Daniel Jones uh, did like a dump off screen to him. Oh, and he ran like sixty yards. You know? Yeah. No, no, he, no
0: Eagles players made a play like that this year. And it way. was all him too. Yeah, like oh, the blocking
1: yeah. was fine, but the blocking didn't flow with him. And well, then it, he had a, an impressive touchdown. Well, that, that was, the was the hype
0: touchdown. he had coming here. Was that the yards after catch? was always his favorite. like he was like a running back, a wide receiver, or whatever.
1: Well, and you know, in in retrospect and in <clears> hindsight, <throat> everybody thought they should have picked Nelson over Golden Tate. That that was that was like
0: a yeah. We a all thing. we
1: all said that. Yeah. We
0: were wrong. We were wrong. Yeah, we were wrong. But but also like, and, and I'm going to write about this for tomorrow, so I won't uh, te- I won't say too much, but. The idea being that like Golden Tate's success with the Giants is like pretty telling of maybe the Eagles' biggest problem right now, which is uh, struggle to both develop and integrate wide receivers. Like, so we can we can use this to transition to the guy they signed. The only guy that you could even argue that they did a good job of integrating into this offense that has been new since the Super Bowl is Jordan Matthews last Absolutely. year. And like, so you just look at Mike Wallace before he got hurt; he wasn't showing anything. He didn't even um, get catch a pass. They signed like a bunch. Of, they couldn't figure out how to use Shelton Gibson, or they just didn't develop him enough to make him good enough to play. Um, Mac Hollins has gotten probably worse since his rookie year. Nelson Aguilar definitely has gotten worse. Austin Jeffrey has got like, the, of course, some of it's on the players, but there, there's got to be a question mark about. The coach's ability. Like my my girl had the quote last year, which he, he'll never live down about Colton Tate.
1: Oh yeah, about how he didn't know how to integrate him in the office. Yeah,
0: like that and that kind of is just just kind of shows the overall problem with the offense right now. Like they're they're gonna have to be a ground and pound team. I don't think they're built to come back from big deficits. Uh, when you're when you're a running team, you're just not they don't have a deep threat officially now. Uh Jordan Matthews is the best deep threat and he's not fast. He's like, not. No. I mean, so like it, it we we kinda joke about the fact that they brought Jordan Matthews back but it was like such an obvious choice and I Absolutely. feel like he's going to play quite a bit for this team.
1: And I only and I think the only reason why he wasn't brought back sooner again, comp picks. They were hoping that the 49ers we'll would take him, him up. Yeah. The 49ers did bring him back for a bit and then he didn't last the 10.
0: It'd be, it'd be, it'd be funny if cuz oh, last year after when he was uh, after they got him uh after, when the Bills didn't bring him back his whole quote that blew up about the only oh, thing to the do in buffalo was uh, each other or whatever like it'd be funny if he had he's got another baby coming from san francisco like there was nothing there's a lot to do in san francisco yeah right. there's tons but it
1: should be funny if it don't matter whenever
0: you leave Philadelphia, he just has a kid
1: an alcatraz <laughs> baby come on man uh you can recycle and go to coffee shops and then go to you know go to the Silicon Bay. valley over there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's actually that stadium. Is awesome too. And there's like a theme, stadium, yeah, yeah, there's a theme park around there. The parking's terrible.
0: I'm only to San Francisco for like less than 24 hours. The, we, the Eagles play there next year. Actually,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm kind of stoked about that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway <laughs> anyways, let's yeah. talk about 2020. Let, let's talk about Jordan Matthews. okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jordan Matthews. Ha- I remember tweeting out before they picked up Jordan Matthews that I thought Nick Foles. Would this be time better. you mean? Yeah, yeah. No, the first time. <laughs> oh. Okay. When they brought him back yeah, it's last specified. year. It's been a few times. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. I made a joke that Nick Foles would be a better option at wide receiver than Jordan Matthews. Ooh, it was a joke. <laughs> but I also thought Jordan Matthews bringing him in didn't kind of fit. I thought he would be mostly a slot guy, and I thought that that would negate that yeah, He played play. like every position, didn't he? Yeah. He did. And that was the big thing for him in the second time around. He's like, when I was here with Chip Kelly... He just wanted a big-bodied slot receiver. That's all he wanted. He just wanted big-bodied dudes in general. Right, yeah, 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 yeah sort of Big thing. people, big beautiful yeah, 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 people, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what he showed me is a pretty diverse route tree. I think he's a guy who has some understated speed. But the most important thing, and something I've noticed on film, too, is, his, is Carson Wentz has a lack of chemistry with... Aguilor and Jeffrey, which is puzzling because they've worked together for three seasons. Sean it's
0: always been a kind of thing with Carson. Right. And well,
1: Carson. their games aren't very similar. Yeah. Like the reason, well, why Nick
0: Foles is a throw it up and see what right. happens. Yeah, guy. yeah. and that, that fits him well.
1: Carson's yeah. more of a bullet thrower. Yeah, um, that's fair. Uh, but what I'll say is this: when you have that type of dynamic, bringing in somebody who he trusts whether he's the most dynamic speed guy or whatever, is helpful. They clearly have a great relationship. They talk very well. Jordan thinks the world of him based on everything he's ever said to us. I mean, they have a
0: handshake that they've had since their rookie year together. Right. So, H- Parsons rookie year. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think that that's very important. I also think having a big-bodied guy, guess what? I'm going to whisper this because nobody's thought about this, and I, I want to keep it to myself. J.J. Sigal whiteside is fits exactly the profile that Jordan Matthews did when he was coming out oh, of college. interesting. So, that said, if Jordan Matthews can handle that Z receiver spot, <laughs> I, think, I think you're in a really good spot because Jordan Matthews is a yeah. guy who could get up, grab catches out of you know, in the red zone. He's got a good he uses his size well. He's he had a bit of a case of the dropsies, but so did Zach Ertz when he was early on in his career. And Nelson. <laughs> he yeah, still and Nelson, Nelson. I so, But I think having a third guy that you can rely on is is not as beneficial as maybe a deep threat is. But if you have three receivers and one of them isn't Matt Collins, who is basically a person, I think it helps you out because for the last five weeks, Carson Wentz has essentially been playing an eleven personnel with, you know, three or four passing options.
0: Yeah, that's not health that ideal.
1: No, that, I mean it's not. Well, and you, to, for people that aren't like big formation people, like you, when you're an eleven personnel, you have three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. If you can only use the tight end running back and two wide receivers, you're playing with...
0: Smaller field, yeah.
1: You're playing with a smaller field. You're not really, you know, threatening the defense the way you probably should. Jordan Matthews had some moments last year where he got some pretty decent yardage after the catch. And if anything, Golden Tate was hard to integrate into this offense because it would have negated Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar's chemistry working together too, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, Do do you
0: see them... um... Maybe even using Matthews in the slot and trying to make
1: Nelson the deep threat. I think what you do is you make Jordan Matthews the slot in, in the red zone. Yeah, and then you have Nelson on the outside, and then he can kind of take a safety away. Um, I think you have to keep Nelson in the slot. I just don't think clearly. He's
0: there. Yeah, clearly he's not good at the other
1: thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't know if he's not good, but he's not consistent on the outside. I think if that's well, fair. he can't track balls down the field. Like, Correct. You know <laughs> well, he's going to have to track balls whether he's in the slot. Yeah, or that's I fair. But, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. But yeah. uh, look. Again, I think that Jordan Matthews fits the profile of a JJ or white Whiteside. They can do very similar things. They're similar route runners. They're not very speed deficient. I mean, they're, they're, they're they have pretty they are average They are speed deficient. They guys. are, well, they're average speed guys, yeah. Um. I mean, I think Jordan Matthews is faster than Alshon Jeffrey. Yes, that, yes. If yes. that helps you. Um. And you know what? He's been able to kind of relax a little bit. They, this, the 49ers really didn't use him. He played one game, didn't get any stats. Um, I think he can come in here. He knows the offense pretty well. He knows the coaching staff well. Most importantly, he knows the quarterback. And I I want to talk about the quarterback just a little bit before we kind of segue elsewhere. We can blame the wide receivers all we want. I do think part of the issue is Carson isn't... Carson's played well. He hasn't been great. And I think part of that is due to him playing within the offense. I don't know if that's what he's been asked to do the offense hasn't really been geared towards making big plays. It's been geared towards taking what the defense gives them. Um, And that's why I don't think you're seeing Carson kind of improvise as much. Carson's a game changer. Carson's a really talented quarterback, but I don't think he's been enabled to to improvise, not because the coaching staff hasn't let him, but because the plays haven't been set up for him to do that. Typically when you improvise, those plays need to take a little bit longer to develop so you can, you know, kind of see the field and, and move around. It just kind of seems like it's a, you know, take what the defense gives you, set up with the short and intermediate routes in order to beat the Patriots this week, that needs to change.
0: Yeah, I mean he's going to that defense might if not for the 49ers is probably the best in the NFL like especially their secondary is really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. Like, there's a segment of Philadelphia that tries to blame Carson for, like, all of this stuff. Like, I, I still think it is important to say that the receivers, like, just aren't getting open. All Sean, in, all Sean being bad is worse than Nelson being bad. Yes. Because he's like the. They consider him, like, the number one option, pretty much, or number two, at least.
1: Right. And And to be fair to Carson, you know. <clears throat> I mean, to be paired to the wide receivers, Parsons missed some throws. Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. They're, they're, you know, he, it's not 100% the receivers. Like, there's right. blame I, to go around.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's fair to completely throw everything on the wide receivers. But that said, even the most reliable guys have dropped passes or fumbled or, you know. Yeah. I mean, Zach Kurtz has had a couple of the bad games. Yeah. You know, Dallas Goddard... While he was able to make... He's upright. had a drop
0: and a fumble that were bad this right. season. Yeah.
1: You know, what I think is interesting, though, is there are guys that have struggled and made up for it, like Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. I'm not seeing Nelson Aguilar have that game where you're like, okay, cool. He's back, yeah. He's back. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, Alshon Jeffrey can get open. He got open, actually, a lot against the Bears rewatching that game.
0: And he had a couple plays against the Bills, too. But Right.
1: But, like, you need to see more consistency out of your number one guy. Um, and, look, the running backs, this team is at its best so far this season when the running backs are carrying load. And I think that's important to note because, you know, you want to keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. This week, you want to keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. So they're going through a stretch right here, a two-game stretch, where the longer you can stay on the field, the better. You want those long drives. That said, when it gets to crunch time, you need to be able to score and match points. So it'll be an interesting dynamic to see how Doug kind of readjusts his play calling after the bye week, which he typically has done a very good job of during his career.
0: I agree. All right, so let's let's transition to looking ahead a little bit. Are oh, not going to um, talk about
1: Marcus Epps?
0: Right, so they signed. Uh, they basically made a trade with the Vikings, which amounts to Henderson Dayo oh, for Marcus Epps and a compensatory fourth round pick. <laughs>
1: hey, listen, how he wouldn't? How wouldn't? You said he wouldn't make a trade. So I,
0: I mean, this, we don't need to dwell on this point. But I, like I said, I think this just underscores just how bad the how he has done in free agency the last two years. Like I get, you're not signing today with the expect, expectation he's a Pro Bowler, but they haven't hit like. So even just like looking back, it's just crazy to think about 2017. How they hit on every single veteran guy. You know, Chris Long, LeGarrette Blount, Patrick Robinson, Nick Foles, uh, Corey Graham was a solid veteran guy. Torrey, Torrey Smith had some big plays in the playoffs. They have they have no. I, I did a rankings during the bye week of all the free agent signings from the last two years, and I put Trayvon Hester at number one. <laughs> and And his case being that he made an impact in the playoffs, which is like his fingertip touched the ball. And like Craig James is in the top five, Josh McCown's like number six, Malik Jackson's high up there be- just because he's still going to be here next. Like, it's not good, and that's like on the top of all the
1: other issues they have. Like that compounds it when you don't have good depth. So what I'll say to that is this: I think that Howie has become very trade dependent. Yeah, I mean his trades have been pretty good. Yeah, his trade—he's done a he, but he's always been that way. Where yeah. he wins trades, he is—he's hit or miss in free agency. It's just been really hardcore misses the last. Yeah, few years. And,
0: and I think it's been underscored by I, and I think part of their approach has been tied to how much success they had with it in twenty. A lot of people pointed out how almost none of those guys are still here, but the, you don't sign those guys yet the expectation they're going to be here in two years. Right. Like if they work out, then you have them a year, and then you shuffle in somebody else. But right,
1: they've they've done one year rentals. I think I was talking to somebody, actually a pretty notable national voice uh, yesterday, and he said the biggest mistake they made last year. Was not re-signing Legarrette Blount. It was Ooh. idiotic. Now Legarrette Blunt did not have a great year in Detroit. No, no, he was bad. But I think from a locker room, the presence yeah. from a locker room perspective. You and I are very big on presence in the locker room, and I think from a presence standpoint, that offense had no real personality to it. Um, when they lost Jay Ajayi, they lost a lot of swagger. they
0: didn't until Foles came back into the mix. Oh, oh. Honestly. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, you're gonna I mean, start a debate. I mean it's true though. Like you just No, it's it. true, but he but he's a different presence, yeah. right? That's what I'm saying. Think, it's all about presence. Like they don't have that, right? I now. think Laguerre Blunt you and I hammered on it a lot, especially before, you know before after Sproles got injured and, and Ajayi got injured. Yeah, that
0: stretch where the running game was just awful, yeah. Yeah,
1: that was a big missing key. And you're looking at a guy like Jordan Howard, who is a younger more efficient, Legarrette Blunt really this season, and I think that's how they've made up for it. I think they learned from that lesson. It took them a little while, but yeah. they learned.
0: But so another one than what we've talked about in this podcast, even dating back to when Elliot was still here. Um Who
1: <laughs>
0: was them choosing to deciding that Bo Allen's non guaranteed three year deal with the Buccaneers was too hefty, and they would rather spend those five million dollars on Melody Nada and Corey Nelson. Corey Nelson didn't make the team. Melody Nada. Everybody knew was past his prime, including him probably, and he just like was just a minus. and he And he went, and they and they signed him knowing that Tim Journey was going to miss a lot of time because Tim Journey got hurt in like February. So that that I know it's a minor move, but like they would have Bo Allen as a depth piece still right now if they had done that. Like, yeah, I know he's not an amazing player, but he's he's like a good locker room guy also, a and he's a good sense. run defender. Um. Anyway, so let's flip the switch. So the funny, we're we're sounding a lot negative, but the funny thing is just the way the NFC East is. Like, the Eagles should win the NFC East. Like, just the way that the, their schedule and the Cowboys schedule plays out. They're technically tied at the top right now. The Cowboys lost to the Vikings last night. Um, both 5-4. and four. Both are 5-4. and four. I know tiebreakers, but I, I, still, I think it's too early to even factor in tiebreakers, honestly. There's just, like, so much. To, although the Cowboys are 4-0 in the division, which... Is a steep hill to climb, but the Eagles... So the
1: Eagles, the Eagles are one and one though, yes. and if they beat the Cowboys, exactly. Oh yeah. do the, what the, we that expect- Week
0: 16 game is gonna like d- decide all of it, probably. Right. Well, when you look at like for all the marbles,
1: you can bring up the schedules right now. Yeah, I was about to point out. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, so
0: the Eagles... So the thing is, they can lose these next two games and still be okay. Ideally, yeah, they have to finish. 10 ideally, you beat the the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, or one of them at least, and then it makes the path a little bit easier and less stressful down the stretch, but. So if they lose those two, the, Re- the Eagles the rest of the way play the Dolphins, who actually don't look that bad anymore, uh, but they should beat them still. Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, and Giants again. So all of those teams, besides the Cowboys, have two or less wins. And the Cowboys, I don't think they have a cupcake until the Redskins in the last week of the season, which it might not even matter by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play the Lions, who beat the Eagles, the Patriots, the Bills, the Bears, the and the Rams, and then where, they play where's the,
1: Eagles. The, where, where's the Where's the Bills game? Let me look right
0: now. Because uh, that matters. Yeah, that's that's. And where's point. the Rams game? So they got the Bills at home and they got the Rams at home, which makes it a look. Because the Rams look pretty bad right now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like you just look at that. So they have the same record. Um, and you know maybe you let's say you assume the Cowboys can beat the Lions and the Bills, um, and the Eagles lose their next two games, maybe. So that it will. There, there's a chance. There's a like a steep hill that they they got to climb. But if they beat the teams they're supposed to, and if they're a playoff team, they should be beating other playoff teams. So, like, I'm, like I wrote about today, like, the Eagles should win the NFC East. Like, they should. But whether they do or not, we'll, we'll see if the team actually is good enough, which, again, I'm not sure they are. So. Right.
1: The Cowboys, I mean, the Cowboys game, this, the previous Cowboys game, this team was banged up. And they've gotten a lot of guys back. I think that that's going to be helpful in a lot of ways. I still think this is a one-and-done playoff team. Yeah. Or I mean, if, if it's the, a home game, they might. Well, win. if it's a home game, it depends on who they play. Yeah,
0: because it it might be the Vikings, honestly, because the Vikings are going to be probably not winning the division over the Packers. Right. So, which is, kinda, which is a quirk in NFL rules that is kind of ridiculous that a team that the Vikings could win like mm-hmm. eleven or twelve games and have to travel to the Eagles, who probably are going to win the division with nine games, like yeah. or ten. You know? Yeah, yeah,
1: I, th- I think the Eagles have to win. T- I think the win to win the co- division. A yeah. couple of weeks ago, I would have said nine. No, I think it's got to be ten. Yeah. Um, because you fa- you think, you got to think about it this way. The Cowboys are probably going to lose to the Patriots. But they could pro- beat all of those other teams. Yeah, they're, so, all,
0: they're all beatable. They're just like not easy wins. Right, so the Eagles would like have to Like the Bears, be their, like those so, teams, yeah.
1: So the Eagles would have to be their sixth loss. So That, that's no, like, that week
0: 16 is going to be fun. Yeah, that well, one's going to be. Unless the Eagles big. just completely screw up over the next month. Right, but. and
1: I think they can beat Seattle. I'm a little. Yeah, they can, but yeah, I'm a little weary of this Patriots game. like and by little Dude, weary, like, a little weary as of last night,
0: the line was only Patriots uh, minus three and a half, which seems like crazy low. So
1: you get three points for being I know. Home, but it's, so it's six and a half, that's a touchdown game. I don't know, it's, <laughs> right. There's been no
0: evidence that the Eagles are only a touchdown away from the Patriots this year. Well, I, I get it. It's the a Patriots' game offense isn't
1: very good. It hasn't put up a lot of points. Their defense is incredible. Yes. that's what the issue is. And they've I think they have 19 interceptions on the season and have only allowed three passing that's touchdowns. Wild. That is wild. <laughs> that is wild. Um. Anyway, but that said, uh, you know. It's going to be an interesting go, but the Eagles are in prime position. Like they can control yeah. their own destiny if they really want. Like if they they win, made it
0: difficult with the way their first half went, to be honest. But
1: like it's still there. What's interesting too about these next two games is they're both games that you would predict probably losses on paper. So if they win one of these games, then they, you're, then you're playing with house money a little exactly, bit. Exactly, yeah. which is exactly what Alshon Jeffrey said when they made. When they yeah. basically moonwalked I mean, into the playoffs. And then if, if they like, win one
0: of these games, then maybe their wild card is like a legit... Po- as, as of now, I would expect them only to have a chance at the division. But if they win one of those games with the schedule coming up, like they can, if they don't win the division, they could still potentially be in the wild card. Right? Yeah,
1: I mean, it'll be a rough road. but Yeah, it, it, especially
0: because that uh, that 49ers division is tough. But Yeah, but
1: giving yourself options, hey, that's Giving yourself options.
0: All right, uh, so before we go, we asked you guys for some questions on Twitter. We got some good ones. Want to run through some of them. Uh, keep them coming. Comment on this on YouTube. Write us reviews. Uh, we'll read them um, while I'm bringing this up. I'll see if we have other reviews that I got to read too. But uh, the first question comes... I only like
1: reviews where they compliment me. Yeah, yeah, like the the, yeah. the last one. That made your day the other day. Yeah, ones. that was nice. Um, while, while he's looking that up, um, what I will say. Yeah, there's here's a nice one, actually. Yeah. What I think is interesting, though, about uh, bringing in Jordan Matthews is Jordan Matthews knows how that. New England offense operates too, so I think that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, the Patriots don't really have a lot of former Eagles, so that's interesting too. And I also think ha- both teams having a bye week, like the the great play calling of or typically great play calling of Doug Peterson versus the defensive mastermind of Bill Belichick. You know, it's you know be a fun battle. Yeah. you know, Double B is is coming to kind of get revenge. Well, yeah, and you
0: also would think that Doug will be back on his on his. Big Duck at Doug Energy this yeah. week because uh, like the, he pulled out some amazing like that was one of the best called games of all time in the Super Bowl oh, and we that? haven't seen him like there's been games where he's like shown flashes of being that level of Doug Peterson but yeah, I think this is the week where he breaks out some stuff that he hasn't been. I'd say we'll his, get into this for our preview pot. Sure, yeah, later. I mean,
1: I think I think the best called game, the two best called games that he's had have been actually on the road. The Packers game and the Bills games were the two best called this year. Games you mean, that, yeah. yeah, 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 with the way he. Last year long, it you know. was the Rams game and the Texans game that like really stood out. Those to
0: were, you the Texans game was a fun one. I feel like
1: that's, that feels like I so think, long ago at this point, but that was so fun. I yeah. think we both said I think the Texans game is probably the most fun I've ever had. Yeah, ever well, ever, was it even like
0: just the game? like the the classic like Nick Foles where he went out of the game, they came back in and won it for them. Like you knew he was going when he came
1: back in yeah. it was fun to cover that game just because there were so many storylines yeah, like all yeah. That, you know for, just from a journalism's perspective journalist perspective it was just like really like oh yeah. wow you got yeah it. a lot of storylines yeah. All right, we
0: actually got a few good reviews since our last one so we really appreciate these guys um well
1: wow, that's actually surprising because we our youtube channel was really not very oh, people thought we it. were a little too negative on yeah, that yeah, yeah.
0: um richard s in charleston south carolina thanks for listening richard it says great stuff and the review says objected opinionated informed Hey. That's really nice. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I think we already read that one. Eh, maybe not. B. Reed, 83, title Swisherman. This says, ugly win, but a win is a win. Two weeks to plan for the Patriots. Passing offense looked at, looks inept. Belichick will focus on our run game. Our receivers have to win one-on-ones, but we need speed desperately. I'd give Torrey Smith a call at this point. Well, it, and they did. Yeah, I know, how- there, yeah, there was a rumor that they, or a report that they did. Um. Yeah, it's not that surprising that he didn't want to come out of retirement. Um. But yeah, five stars from that. Thank you, B. Reed. Um. By the way, yeah, and Belichick. One of his best things is removing the thing that the other team is best at. So that'll be Zach Ertz in the running game. So we'll see how that looks. Um. And then dust off guy one, Uh, title from the beginning. I've listened to a Huddle Show since episode one. You remain fully committed to the tradition of being an Eagles podcast that is faithful to fans and facts, all while being fair. Thanks for your keen analysis and your cutting insight. Keep up the tradition, gentlemen.
1: Hey, oh, why, are so, why are you guys being so nice I to us? I don't, I don't know. You're we're, on the podcast. Why would they be nice Yeah, we
0: Yeah, we're used to everyone making fun of us for, like, breathing heavy or, or laughing too much or, or hating me. each other. And yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we still do all of those things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. All
0: right, some reader questions from Twitter. Maybe we'll do this again because we got some good ones. At um, SoFloBirds. Uh, for this week, he's asking how many plays for Goddard and how many wheel routes to Sanders against the Pets. You're good at specific predictions. Can so you, can you ask the question okay, How many plays for Goddard? I'm guessing he means like targets. Uh, uh, and then how many wheel routes for Miles Sanders? I think... So
1: let's start with Miles Sanders. I think they are going to use it as a decoy. Yeah. Just um, so like draw somebody away. Yeah. I think this is the game where you use a lot of 22 personnel. I know I keep banging the drum on this, but if you can show Belichick something new... He's going to have to adjust mid-game. Uh, their linebackers are very talented, um, but I think if you can kind of make that a decoy with Jordan Matthews now in the game, if you're taking away Miles Sanders, now you actually have the uh, the new fourth option in Jordan Matthews, and I think that'll help and them. And maybe that
0: takes somebody away from Ertz or something, too, yeah.
1: They need to set up a lot of yak opportunities. There needs to be a lot of crossing routes. There needs to be screens. Um You've seen a lot where they've done a fake screen to the left side and then dumped off to the right. That's going to have to work in this one. Maybe you just adjust the way you angle it as opposed to going left to right. You go right to the left. The offensive line is going to need to be really big for Miles Sanders if they do do that wheel route. Uh, the blocking downfield needs to be there. Now, Dallas Goddard, if they're going to bracket Zach Ertz, I think is going to have a massive game. Um, or at least a
0: lot of opportunities, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think Devin McCourty can handle Zach Ertz in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously in the Super Bowl you saw that there were some deficiencies from a size standpoint, but um, I think that I think they'll do a good job on him. It's the other side that I think the Patriots have to worry about. They could really unleash Dallas Goddard. It does kind of seem like Dallas Goddard is waiting for that. Yeah, unleash game. game. He's gotten
0: better each week. Like that dude's a stud. I think. I think
1: but, I think you could reasonably expect a six catch, ninety yards, and a touchdown game from him.
0: Yeah. Um, at underscore Chris twenty four, if signed, what does Jordan Howard's deal look like? I've been thinking something like Mark Ingram's, maybe a little bit more because he is younger and he seems to be getting better as the year goes along, and he's added uh, pass catching to his game a little bit more. So uh, I am curious to see what kind of his. There's no, there's just no running back market in general. Like yeah. we, like I think we both thought like Tevin Coleman, like the deal he signed was so yeah. small, and it seemed like he had a lot of interest. So I, I would say like three years. Fifteen to twenty yeah, million. Yeah,
1: that's what Ingram got. I proposed this in my my like deep dive into the offense thoughts. Two years, thirteen million. He'll be twenty seven in two years. It'll allow him to test the market. That's That's like
0: seven million a year, almost. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it'll allow Miles Sanders to develop a bit. Howard leaves during Sanders' last year of his rookie contract. So I think he should be ready to take the right, you. and you're prolonging their career because the first three years of his career you're splitting the load it's something that worked for Westbrook it's something that worked for LaShawn McCoy in a lot of ways so I think that's kind of the the angle to take um yeah so I would say two years 13 that's like the best thing for both sides I think if you're Jordan Howard you want to hit free agency again by the time you're 27 running backs typically fall off by the age of 29 and
0: and they'll be preserving him because Next year, Sanders, you'd think, will get more carries. So. Right.
1: So, you know, by then, he's in the league for uh, what is that? six years. Yeah. He's probably going to get four more years out of it, can go to another team and, and run the show. But I, I think that these guys, have, especially the last six weeks, have really complemented each other well. Yeah. Uh, I think Jordan Howard is an absolute fit for this offense. And clearly. the locker room. They love him in there. Yeah, he is... I mean... He's as well like as anybody. Do, you notice they're starting to do, like, advertisements with him now. Which is yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's been heavily featured, yeah. Yeah. Um, note for him. If he averages 68 yards per game over the next seven games, he will be the first 1,000-yard rusher for Shady, the Eagles yeah. since Shady in 2014. So that's... I mean, again, he came in... If he stays and,
0: healthy, I think he gets that.
1: I uh, yeah, I think he exceeds it pretty yeah. easily. Yeah.
0: I wonder if he'll get his first hundred, the Eagles first hundred yard game since now. <laughs> yeah, since now. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is these two questions are pretty similar. Uh don't elaborate too much on them. But at Phillies underscore dude, do the Eagles work out any other wide receivers besides J Matt? And then at Texas Mike G, what are the odds they work out another receiver sometime this week? And if not this week, depending on their performance against the Patriots, would they try one out next week. It doesn't sound like they did, and I would Think they're pretty set with this group for the rest of the season, unless somebody gets hurt. Yeah, I think they'll see what they've got. At best, from. they would call somebody up from the practice squad, but. This is what the group's going to look like.
1: Right. I mean, you've got that guy, Rob Davis, who's sitting there on the practice squad. He's gotten a lot of praise from people in Washington. Marcus Green, yeah. Yeah, I mean, at this point, that's your options. Like, I know a lot of people have brought up J.J. Nelson, but... I know, but there's
0: a reason why he's not on a team.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, and and he got dropped by an Oakland Raiders team who has been searching for wide receiver help forever. It's funny how his
0: name kept on... I feel like nobody's ever talked about J.J. Nelson before the last two weeks here.
1: He's... The poor man. He was he draft. was good like
0: one year in Arizona. Yeah, he's the poor um, man. He's draft. fast, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, here's a good one. Uh, at playing possum, playing underscore possum. What are the chances the Eagles actually change their coaching staff? Uh, wait. Where the changes? What are the chances the Eagles actually change their coaching staff if they make the playoffs by winning the division? And also, what do you think the starting group wide receivers will be next season? so okay. the coaching staff won if they if they win the division I don't think Doug's a really good, there might be some like minor changes like I, he does every year I think there will maybe yeah, wide receiver I don't, I, yeah I don't
1: mean to be, sound ominous but yeah. uh, they will definitely be position, yeah 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 at
0: the spots where they obviously struggle I'd yeah. say Is it the obvious? and then about the starting group that's a very good question uh, Alshon and Deshaun by default are going to be starters on this team next year unless they are just willing to bite the bullet on either or they can convince somebody to take Alshon in a trade after June 1st because if you do it before you're losing a lot of money yeah um, um, so I'd say those two, uh, you would hope they start incorporating Arcega-Whiteside white side more, but I, I'd bet more likely they either sign like a veteran slot guy or draft somebody who is ideally ready right away. Maybe a first round pick. I could see them using a first on a receiver. What do you think?
1: Here, here's the issue for them, right? Is they, and they've mentioned this with arcega white side, they really like to train a guy at one position first. And I think the guy that you bring in has to be a three-position guy right Yeah, so, way. You, so you can
0: be more flexible because I don't think arcega wide sides going to be flexible. Right,
1: you've, you've got to have a guy who can play the X receiver and be that possession guy. You have to have a, Z, a guy who can fill in a Z receiver and go deep. I think they really thought that Hollywood Brown was going to be their guy, and then Dillard fell, and it was the whole thing. And you obviously pr- prioritize protection over, over passing yeah. production. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think they're going to target something very
0: early in the street. Yeah. There's some, I haven't done much research on the draft yet, but it sounds like there are some good receivers. Yep. I've seen a lot of people saying they want them to get the Alabama guy, Ruggs. Rugs. yeah. Um. This is a fun one, actually. At Domatron Camps, so the Eagles traded their first-round pick to the Ravens two years ago, and they picked Lamar Jackson. What would the timeline look like if hypothetically in a very odd scenario? We picked Lamar and moved on from Wentz. To clarify, I love Wentz. No hate. But it's just like the idea of how much different would this team have looked with like Lamar and I, I think Doug would have had so much fun. Like, yeah. Like, it, he, it would have opened up his... I mean, you're seeing it with Harbaugh. They did a play that, like, started with Mark Ingram giving it to Lamar Jackson, who then laddered it to Robert Griffin III. Like, I think that Doug would have done some creative stuff with it like that.
1: I do. I, I think Lamar is a really good quarterback. I think Carson's a very good fit for this offense. Yeah, yeah. That,
0: very true. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, that is an exciting idea. I don't know how much better they necessarily would be. Um And then we'll end on this one. Uh, At Wentz11, Alvania. when will Craven LeBlanc be ready to come back? And do you see Jordan Matthews making an impact? Also, how real are the Eagles' chances to beat the Patriots? You take that one. Craven, it sounds like he's... They keep sounding more and more optimistic, but he still hasn't practiced yet, so it's kind of hard for us to even and, say.
1: And remember, they can act, they can activate him for practice without activating him. Yeah, and him he, the then it has
0: to be like two or three weeks or something after right, that. Right, um, um, So I, I would bet he doesn't come back for a few weeks still.
1: Yeah, and you know, something that Jim Schwartz said to us today is that they, you know, dropping Zendejo, they might favor more three, Four corners, yeah. Four corners or three nickel-style players at that safety spot, which would... Basically be Malcolm, uh, Cravon, and probably Avante Yeah,
0: Maddox. so is going to have some value the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, we kind of covered that. We think he will. And how real their chances to beat the Patriots? Uh, I'd say not very good, but I mean, things, I think they, crazier can, things have happened. I think
1: they can beat them if they can put up points. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, if they can get past the 24-point threshold, I think they've got a really good shot. I don't think the Patriots are going to put up a ton of points. They might put up a lot of yardage. Uh, the Eagles are very good in the red zone. Still, I think, you know, you have two corners who have struggled notoriously. Again, the only speed guy you really have to worry about is Dorsett. It's going to be a big game for Avante Maddox going up against Julian Endelman. If they can hold the Patriots under 20 points and they can score on their own, I mean, that's a that's easier said than done. I think they'll have a shot. I don't think this is an unwinnable game. There's no such thing in the NFL, but I, I would... Favor the, the Patriots 75% and the Eagles 25%. Yeah, I think that's a fair ratio.
0: All right, well, and on that note, uh, please leave us some more reviews, preferably nice ones because they make us feel all nice and warm inside. Uh, uh, write, write some comments, ask some questions, and thanks for listening, guys.